What's up? It's the Intern Allen Show, episode 26. Thursday morning, 10-11. What day is it today? January 18th. In my closet. Um, Vikings are done, so that's kind of weird. Um, no games to talk about there. Uh, we'll talk about all the wildcard games. Uh, talk about the Wolves. That's kind of about it. I guess the coaching stuff. Um yeah coaching stuff in the nfl and college um mostly the nfl um yeah let's get started uh we'll start with the wolves now because they're the only team that i cover i obviously don't cover the wild we can have a wild check-in maybe this game uh this uh pod but um they're the only team that i cover that is uh, actually playing right now um three and oh since the last taping of the pod so we're back to a, a, a big winning week had a couple weeks where we're kind of living in that two and two 500 range um for a couple weeks in a row there but back to three and oh for the week we're cooking um they you know one of the wins was impressive the other two were very much not but um but yeah kill the blazers 116 to 93 this was the uh, last thursday it must have been after right after the pod came out that day i think uh thursday or friday i don't remember um it was 116 to 93 and it wasn't even that close they were up by 36 or something at at a certain point um <clears throat> ended up playing everybody on the bench all that type of thing um just the type of game where it was never close and um I think they started the game with an 11-0 run, and then it was like pretty much that the rest of the game. Um, the Blazers are really not a good basketball team right now after trading Dame and then trading Drew that they got from Dame to just kind of blow everything up and restart. Malcolm Brogdon's on that team, which I had no idea he was still in the league, but um, he's a pretty good player still, but he's about it. Um, they got blown out by Oklahoma City or something like that. I think it was Oklahoma City. Or was it the Bucks? Whatever. They got blown out by, like, 63 the night before. So, um, they weren't exactly on a heater coming into it. And then they, <laughs> they lost us by nearly 30. So, um, really not a lot to talk about about this game. It was a, a good team placing, playing a bad team. Um, Kubera 24 and 17. I think he had a double-double in the first half cat had 23 and 8 anthony edwards didn't do a lot but didn't need him to do a lot um and none of the starters played the entire game or like a regular game for them um so that is what it was you know good dub they all counted the same on the they all count the same in the record so um next up a lot more important probably close win against the clips 109 105 nobody else in in the league is winning <laughs> is winning games in the nba scoring 109 points nobody else in the league is doing that um usually if you want to win the nba these days it's, it's you're having to score like 125 but <clears throat> we'll talk about that in a little bit actually um <clears throat> it's a little early in the morning my uh coughing well some something in my throat from breakfast maybe um this was an important win against like a good opponent they 
you know, not every Clippers game they even play, most of their guys, but this one had Kawhi, had James Harden, had Paul George, had Russell Westbrook, although Russell is not really what you would call a good player anymore. But um, definitely those top three are still good, still quality players. Um, and we outdueled them, you know, kept kept them to only uh, 105 points, so that's good. Um There's a moment in the fourth quarter where it, stuff I talked about last week about not closing games really well um, kind of happened. Um, with about three and a half minutes left, they were down 11, or we were up 11. And they went on an 8-0 run, sort of a lot of turnovers on our end, double dribbles, weird shit like that. Um, just not executing, and they scored eight straight points. And then at 103-100... We kind of figured it out and, and and put the game away. A lot of like Rudy Gobert intentional like intentionally fouling Rudy Gobert to hope he, to hope he missed. Um, he wasn't missing late in the fourth quarter, um, and his free free throws. I'm talking like an idiot right now. His free throws kind of put the game away for us. Um, Anthony Edwards had 33 as well. Gobert had 15 and 18. A lot of those were free throws. Um, that's 18 boards. <clears throat> it's a lot of, it's a lot of boards, 18 boards. Um, all right, there we go. My voice is back. Uh, fun little moment. Anthony Edwards calling Kawhi old, um, while at the free throw line. I can't say the words that he said because I'll, you know, I'll get, you know, I just can't say those words, but he, uh, he was like, it's young people versus old people people out here he didn't say people um and then Kawhi was like hell no dude or whatever and then then he was like Kawhi Leonard old people person old person he didn't say person the word he said started with an n um that's just hilarious um Anthony Edwards as good as he is is like that much better at like trolling and to just like yeah I'm gonna go troll a two times finals MVP who is one of the best players of the past 10 years and just like, yeah, fuck you and call him old. Love that. Cause like, <laughs> he just really, I mean, he really doesn't have any place doing that, but that's exactly why it's great that he did that. Um, I think it's it, overall, like that aside, I think it was a really, really important dub for the, for the wolves to beat a quality opponent be able to close it out in the um, in the fourth quarter, even if it was a little hairy for a moment there. Um, but yeah, sort of get back on that domination train that we're hoping to get on, especially in the defensive end. To hold those guys to 105 is, is impressive. Um, and then I believe it was like last night. We beat the Pistons. Pistons are really bad. Obviously, it's been well documented. They only have four wins all year, but we beat them 124 to 117, which is a lot closer than it should have been. Um, I didn't watch the game, but so I don't know what it actually looked like, but we should be beating the Pistons by more than seven points. That being said, it's a win. It's very easy to sort of not get up for the Pistons and just kind of like whatever, but 
Andy Edwards had 27. Cat had 27. Jaden McDaniels had 23. It's good to see him kind of having a really efficient offensive night because he's struggled a little bit this year and not maybe progressed as much as we would have hoped on the offensive end. He's obviously great on a defensive end, but sort of felt a lot of the limitations this year on the offensive end. Um, so it's good to see him kind of break out of that a little bit. Um, 23 points is a good contribution. He was really efficient. I think it was like 8 of 10 or something like that. Um, and then banged a couple threes. He had like a fun little step back three thing going on, which I didn't, I didn't really know that was part of his game. 8 of 11 and 3 of 4 from 3. Three rounds, no assists, but um, 23 points. Um, and you love to see that efficiency from three, too. Cat was five of five from three as well, which is, that's always fun. Um, Anthony Edwards had a just, like, just a complete detonation dunk. Like, just, he does this thing where, I mean, he'll dribble into the lane, and then he'll just, like, like, there's a trampoline out of nowhere, and then he just, like, fly so fucking high it looks like it's sometimes in like in like bad movies or bad tv shows when they show that one team is like dominating the other like a, it's a sports scene I, i'm not like in, we're thinking like high school musical or something of that like vibe where like there's sports involved but like the production value of the sports is really bad and so to show that one team is that much better than the other team in this story of this plot or whatever They'll just, like, have a random guy, like, jump through the roof in, like, a way that is completely unrealistic. I'm specifically thinking about uh, How I Met Your Mother episode, where there's, like, a werewolf. I don't know. Some of the loons might know this one. Where Marshall's coaching, and, like, his team is fucked, and, like, a werewolf starts dunking on them somehow. And he just, like, has, like, unreasonable, like, completely impossible bounce like that is what it feels like sometimes when anthony edwards just decides like hey this time i'm just gonna like dunk and i don't care who's in front of me and sometimes he tries against people that he shouldn't try it against and he <laughs> he either gets fouled and like dangerously or gets blocked but um this time there's like four dudes in the paint he didn't give a fuck and he's just like yeah i'm gonna dunk and he dunked he kind of like threw it in the hoop but like where he left from and the bounce i mean it was insane it was out of a it was a ba out of a bad production value tv show um <clears throat> i don't know if that analogy made any sense hopefully some uh how i met your mother heads will get it but um pretty sick dunk nonetheless uh yeah i mean that's about all you can say i mean it shouldn't have been that close jayden ivy had a hell of a game for them but um It is what it is. Um, we move. Um, the schedule is lightening up in general. Uh, obviously, we saw some of that this week. But then we have the Grizzlies, who aren't good right now without Jaw. We have the Thunder, who are a good team. Hornets, Wizards, Nets, who are a bad team. Spurs, who are a bad team. And the Thunder again. But um, <clears throat> four of the six of those games are easily winnable against teams that have less than 15 wins. Um, I guess the Nets have 16. They're 16 and 24. We're 29 11, by the way. Um, so, should keep 
rolling a little bit. These two games against the Thunder over the next two weeks are, are going to be important, if not for the standings, to just kind of see where we're at. Because the Thunder are one of the most efficient teams in the league offensively. Um, they're just behind us um, in the conference. We're at 29-11 in first place. OKC is at 27-13 and 13 in second place. They're two games back. Um, Denver also two games back as well. Um, so we have an opportunity to stretch that lead a little bit, especially if we beat the Thunder um, or even split with the Thunder and, and win all our other games against those really bad teams over the next weeks to kind of build that lead. Um, interesting note before we move on from the Wolves. Um, this information comes primarily from Dane Moore, great follow on X as a Wolves um, writer um, is a podcast that I don't listen to, but I, I read his X stuff, um, about offensive efficiency in the NBA this year. Um, just for reference, offensive efficiency, um, I'm talking the stat, I believe it's points per hundred possessions. And so the year that the Warriors went 73 and nine, which is the best regular season of all time in the NBA. And the reason it was so good is because their offense was revolutionary. And like, we had never seen Steph Curry play like that before. We'd never seen KD in that kind of a role before just picking and popping and taking whatever he needs. Like we thought that that offense was like straight out of Mars, never seen it before as good as it could ever be. Their points per hundred possessions was 114.1 or something like that. I don't remember the exact number, but it was 114 something. This year, the Wolves' points per 100 possessions is 115. It's over a point better than the 20, I don't remember, 2017 Warriors, um, 2016 maybe it was. Um, but it's a point per, it's a point better than the 73 and 9 Warriors, which means as good as that offense was, the Wolves are better. However, the Wolves are like the 15th best offense in the league right now. They're like dead middle of the pack. Some offenses in the NBA are as much as like four points better than the 73 and 9 at Warriors. The offensive shift, like in terms of like how good offenses are now compared to even five years ago, is insane. I, I like when I started reading these numbers and, and like hearing them, and I think Rosillo talked about it in his spot a little bit. So credit to those guys before anybody comes for me for this not being my information. But the offensive shift of the past five years is insane. We thought that the shift to the Steph Curry era was insane. The shift out of the sort of like Al Jefferson being a relevant player and into the you have to shoot free threes era, where Steph and Clay and all that were doing that. Um, was incredible and then it has shifted even in the past seven years way beyond that to the point that Steph and Clay and Draymond aren't even that good anymore obviously they won a finals last year but um but yeah the point is as good as the Wolves are they're not they're honestly not good enough on offense to to be sort of super like high-level contender status, because Boston is that good from um, on the offensive end. They are in the, like, 116s, 117s, something like that. 
points per game, and OKC is that, and Denver is that, and obviously we do it all more on the defensive end, but something that um, can be a spot to improve on is getting that offensive efficiency, at least in the top 10, would really help us to be like a bona fide, bona fide contender. Um, I mean, it's hard to say we're not right now because we have the best record in the West, um, but I think it's interesting that watching the Wolves play, you're like, the offense looks great, feels good. You know, we're scoring at a very high rate. Um, seems like we have a bunch of guys that can make threes, a bunch of guys that score in the paint. Um, all this. But I think, and we are literally better than the best, one of the best offenses of all time. But so is everybody else in the league. And so I think that's an interesting thing to monitor. We need a little bit more games that are we score like 125 um, than games that we win 109 to 105. But either way, 3-0 this week. Things are looking up. Opportunity to build a lead in this easy part of the schedule. So hopefully we'll see that. Um, let's get into the NFL a little bit. Uh, six super wild card games. Most of them were kind of bad, to be honest. Um, but a lot of storylines coming out of each of them, of course. Um, we'll start with the Texans and the Browns. Um, CJ Stroud. I mean, I've, I've slobbed his knob all year, literally all year. Um, but I mean, he just like for the first half of of uh, Saturday's game against the Browns, who were at times this year the best defense in the league, and maybe still were at the end of the year. I'm not sure. But to dominate, like he broke records for a rookie quarterback, like at halftime, or like tied records for a rookie quarterback at halftime, is one of the best halves of football anybody's played all year. Um, against the best <laughs> against the best defense in the league and he's a rookie just throwing to nico collins as his best receiver and dalton schultz like i don't even know if i can name the other wide receivers that are healthy for the texans right now I, like i've said the cj stroud thing all year and it's been annoying and whatever but like at this point it's hard to overstate how good he was um he didn't need to do a lot in the second half because joe flacco kept throwing pick sixes but um I mean, that's the story. The story is C.J. Stroud is, he's here. He's arrived. Um, to even win one playoff game, to even make the playoff as a rookie quarterback on a team that was picking second in the draft or whatever it was, is, is an accomplishment by itself. He's already won the playoff game. He's kind of playing with house money. Anything he does the rest of the rest of the way is supremely impressive. He's playing the Ravens this week, and it's probably going to be a loss, and he might not even look that good, but... I mean, the fact that in a half, essentially, and I know he did some stuff in this in the second half, but he didn't really need to do anything in the second half. He was over 250 in the first half, had three touchdowns in the first half. Um, and then the defense kind of took took care of the rest. Um, back-to-back pick sixes is never good, and both throws really bad from Joe Flacco. Looks like the, the first one, it looks like he kind of got... Um, the receiver got maybe ran the wrong route or chose a different option at the top of the stem but 
Um, either way, threw the ball almost directly to the defender. And then an impressive run back, to be fair. But second one could not have been more pick six if you, you know, like nothing has ever looked more like a pick six than that did. Um, so Joe Flacco <laughs> turned back into what we kind of knew he might have been in terms of uh, pick merchant. Um, 34 or 46 for 300 yards is not good. It seems like it's good. 300 is a nice number to see. 35 complete or 34 completions is a nice number to see, and, and efficiency-wise, he's okay. But 46 attempts for only 300 yards and two picks is never good. Did have a touchdown to Kareem Hunt out of the backfield, but um, yeah. The story is the is CJ Stroud and, and just like how good can he be? Um, and this is like not to make everything about the Vikings, but it is a Minnesota sports show. This is why the Kirk thing has never been like it's always like we look at Kirk and I and I've said this before, so I don't know if it's annoying, but Kirk is a great NFL quarterback. But you can see over the past couple of years with some of these franchises how if you have the right guy, that's literally all you need. And they can change everything. We saw it with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. The Bengals were a shit franchise before Joe Burrow showed up. All of a sudden, they are one of the, when he's healthy, always in the running for the best team in the AFC. Made a Super Bowl where, you know, a couple plays here and there away from winning a Super Bowl. In like his second year in the league, third year in the league, something like that. All it takes is that guy. And CJ, the Texans were dog shit, like hopeless, don't know where anything is going. Davis Mills is playing quarterback, had the whole blow up with Deshaun Watson. We, you'd look at that roster and be like, there's no talent anywhere. But all it takes is that one guy that's just special. And, you know, they're playing an individual round of the playoffs. After he just went for 300 yards and a half. Um, and so, I think we know enough that Kirk Cousins isn't that guy, and I'm just hoping that someday we find that next guy to, to just change. It all changes at once, sometimes. And it has to do with just getting that guy a quarterback. And it's a hard thing to do, but I think we know it's not Kirk Cousins, and that's why, it, even though he's really good, I've always been kind of hesitant to like fully buy in. Anyway, um, let's move on. Wait, I had some notes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, never mind. That's fine. No more notes. Covered it. Um, Dolphins Chiefs. It was cold. That's the big takeaway from this game is that it was cold. Um, and it's also... Uh, Dolphins are a little soft. They can't play in the cold. They're kind of... That was kind of a tough game to watch, to be honest. Um, as I said last week... You see Dolphins and the Chiefs in the playing of the playoffs, and based on like weeks one through ten this year, you're like, oh, sick, that'll be a good game. Like it's gonna be some fireworks, blah blah blah. It wasn't really, and I kind of knew that it wasn't gonna be. Um, the Dolphins, I think, the, the them not beating good teams has been like well documented in the NFL at this point. Like everybody kind of knows that. But, like, the why is it that is maybe the next question. Um, and are they really injured on defense? Were they missing Bradley Chubb, 
some other guys Xavier Howard I think was out where they trying to use Melvin Ingram who's like 93 years old as as a starting linebacker yes they were all of that is true um but what stuck out is just how bad the offense was and Jalen Waddle was back Tyreek Hill was back we're missing some tackles sure but um like a chain I believe was healthy but also if he wasn't then Mostert's really good I don't remember um and it just like the offense looked horrible and I think it, I think it has to be Tua because it just has to be because we've seen how successful this offensive scheme is not just in Miami but the same kind of similar version of the scheme in San Francisco and similar version of the scheme um in Texas or t- sorry in Houston um which is in Texas to be fair um but just not working with this guy a quarterback I think um and it's not that he can't be bad teams because obviously he can but quarterback is a position where you need to be good when things aren't going perfectly for you and I think we've seen a lot of times this year too has been really good against bad opponents in nice little weather nice Miami weather that's made me soft it's making him soft um but when things are going wrong, when say it's my it's negative seven degrees outside, and you know you're facing the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, when things are going wrong or when things are hard, you can't you have to be just as good. And for much of this game, it looked like Tua and Mahomes were playing a completely different sport, and or like they looked like. Mahomes was playing in a dome and Tua was playing in negative seven. Like Mahomes famously in the Super Bowl, the one he lost, balled out and was doing everything despite his offensive line being horrible. Tua in that Super Bowl, I mean, he replaced it. It's, there's just a huge difference. I don't know where I'm going with this analogy, but there's a huge difference. For Mahomes, when things are going badly, he finds a way primarily, and he looks good doing it. Like, he looked very good in negative seven degrees the other day, and Tua looked very, very bad. And I think that's obviously comparing a quarterback to Patrick Mahomes isn't fair, but you can compare him to a lot of other guys that sort of do better in, in worse situations than, than Tua has been doing. Um, I think. I don't think they move away from him just because of how successful the offense is at some point this year, some points this year. By the way, you can say all this about Dak, and I probably will in a little bit. Um, but I just think that the problem, I feel like we've been running away from the problem being Tua, but I think it just is him. Um, Mahomes cracked helmet, that rocks. I don't, I don't care. It was cool. When you're like, yeah, I cracked my helmet. I don't know. It was cool. Um, yeah, I think the Chiefs got finally got a good performance out of a receiver. And Rasheed Rice had a big game. Um, they go to the Bills next week. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but um, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Two teams that are exactly the names you expected to kind of see in this spot at the beginning of the year, but haven't. neither of them has had the path that we thought they were going to have to get here. Um... So it'll be interesting to see kind of what's left of this version of each of these teams um, 
in January after the crazy season that it's kind of been for both of them. Um, <clears throat> Buffalo's favored by two and a half, probably just because they're at home. I don't know if I believe that as such, but um, they might be the better football team at this point because they're one six out of their last six. Um, but yeah, I think I was hearing people talk themselves in the Dolphins and I, and it just, I in, like winning this game and I just never believed it. Like as much as I want the Dolphins to win kind of cause they're Miami, but like they were just never going to, they just weren't ever going to, you just kind of knew that what Tua just did is exactly what he was you know going to do. Um, next game, Packers beat the Cowboys 48 to 32. That one, this, this one sucks. This one sucks. Cause the Packers, I mean, it looked like a lost season at points for them. And, and it is now a completely like 100% like most successful season that they've had recently for a while. Where they found a new quarterback, found a whole new core of offensive weapons and then won a playoff game against a three seed that was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. Um, I mean, put up 48 points in the, against a defense that was supposed to be good. I mean, Jordan Love was really good. Aaron Jones was really good. All the weapons were really good. It's just, I don't know. I don't know how it got here because it felt like they were really bad at a point this year. When we beat them, what, week six or whatever that, week five, six, whatever that was, seven like they were a bad team i sat come came on here and i was like all right we just beat a really bad team and that's what we're supposed to do and maybe this team is a little better than we thought talking about the vikings but like we just beating a really bad packers team doesn't necessarily say anything and now they're like dicing dudes up in the playoffs like what i think like i talked about the eagles and we'll talk about them when in their game coming up about how they got old and like broken really really quickly like the exact opposite thing has happened for the packers where they were shit and they came into their own really 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 quickly and the fact that they even got to the playoffs is impressive from where they started the season and then they're winning games that's just and jordan love looks incredible it's just i don't know i don't know man how did it happen um Exactly what I just said about um, Tua, I'm going to say about Dak Prescott. Um, in this case, the adversity wasn't the cold because they were inside Jerry's world, which is a dome, also at his home stadium where they haven't lost all year. But they were down 27 rip at one point in this game. Or they're down 20 to rip at one point in this game. Partially because of his pick. He came out, but he came out playing really bad. First drive, he throws a pick in his own red zone. They immediately score a touchdown. Then they score a couple more touchdowns. He's not playing well. And then he throws a pick six. And it's just like, either he didn't show up ready to play. Or he got punched in the mouth and couldn't recover. And either way, it's not good. Either way, it's not good, I think. Dallas felt like they were going to kind of just walk into this game and beat a team that barely snuck into the playoffs and then just move on. I guess it was his second drive, but he throws a pick. This is what happened. Reminding myself now. 
Um, Green Bay marched down the field on their first drive, scored a touchdown. Dallas punted. Green Bay punted. Good job on the Dallas defense, holding them, whatever. Dak throws a pick in, at his own 20 or 13. They immediately score a touchdown. It's 14 nothing. Punt. Touchdown for the Packers. Pick six from Dak. This is what I mean when, like, bad things happen, they just get worse for guys like Dak Prescott and Tua. Like, it's not a good thing in this game that they, the defense completely crumbled and they scored a touchdown on their first game, on their first drive. The Packers scored a touchdown on their first drive. Are you going to do something about it to fix that, Dak? No, you're going to punt. All right, defense gets a stop. Oh, shit, I threw a pick in my own, in the shadow of my own end zone. They just went up and scored again. Are you going to do anything about that? No, punt. All right, they scored another touchdown. Are you going to do anything about that? No, I'm going to throw a pick six. Like, when things, at times this year, against bad teams at home, when you score first, Dallas has looked incredible, and Dak has looked incredible. He has been MVP candidate at some points. But they got punched in the mouth early in this game, and he never really recovered. Sure, he went off in the second half, but it was never close. It's borderline garbage time. They ended up losing by 16, and that's as close as it ever got. And they were favored by seven and a half at home against a team that was horrible at points this year. I mean, it's they're bringing back Mike McCarthy too. That news just happened like a couple hours ago. Um, I mean, I I would not want to be a Cowboys fan right now because you don't like the quarterback, you don't like the coach. There's not a lot to like in general, um, and that like. Dak is the problem. He just is. You can't play like that. And maybe the defense is the problem too, but like this is also Joe Barry's like shitty Packers defense that like everybody thinks sucks. That the Niners knock on wood are probably going to hang 50 on next week. And you just let him completely eat you up for an entire quarter and a half before you start playing. And it's just, I mean, whatever. Um, I wrote Dak in full black Kirk Cousins mode. That's an insult. As much as I like Kirk Cousins, that's an insult. Um, that was a note I wrote. Also, like, def- like there were guys so wide open. And I don't know if it's a scheme thing. Again, not an exit. And those guys, I don't, I don't know if it's a scheme thing or if it was just blown coverage. But <clears throat> one of the Romeo Dobbs touchdowns, he was completely, like, like, nobody could have been ever, like, more open than he was. And then I think the Tucker Craft, don't know if it was a touchdown or just a long completion, I remember, but there was one play where he, on the backside, was just so open. And, like, credit to Matt LaFleur, I guess. I mean, he's done a hell of a job, I guess. So, yeah, definitely credit to him. Because I don't think Jordan Love looks the way he does, as good as he looks without... Matt LaFleur being a really good coach. Um, But credit to him for getting guys just completely wide open. All right, that's the last note I had. Lions, Rams. Um, Huge win for the Lions. So we'll start there. Huge win. Um, I think the good guys won in this case as much as their NFC North, blah, 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 whatever. I've never really felt a lot of rivalry towards the Lions. Obviously, I don't want them to win the division next year. I want us to win the division. But... 
the way that it sort of ended with Goff in L.A. and Stafford in Detroit and how they got traded for each other and Goff kind of got screwed over, like, it was nice to see him get one back. It was really, really nice. Um, they went 3-3 three three on touchdowns to start the game. Three straight drive, three straight touchdowns, built a pretty good lead. Over the course of the game, the Rams got right back into it. Um, and the defense bowed up, got a lot of pressure on Jared Goff. And slowly, little by little, um, Stafford and Puka Nakua got them right back into it. Um, ended up being a one-point game, 24-23. to 23. Really interesting stat-wise. They... they, they each offense ran the exact same number of plays. There's a 10-second difference in time of possession. So one team had it for 30 minutes and 5 seconds. The other team had it for 29 minutes and, and 55 seconds. So, like, almost the exa- exact same number of plays, almost the exact same possession. A um, 100-yard or more discrepancy in the favor of the Rams in terms of yards. So the Rams' set offense was 100 yards better but just were 0 of 3 in the red zone scoring touchdowns where the Lions were 3 of 3 on those first three drives. And that was really a difference in the game was you can score as many yards as you want, ran the exact same plays, did more in some ways with the exact same amount of opportunities, but just didn't do more when it mattered in the red zone. Um, and that's why the Lions won the game. There's no turnovers, a really clean game overall, really good game. And in a game that actually felt like it could even be better, felt like there was some kind of last second heroics going on. Um, or like that were going to happen. Just the clock just kind of ran out. The Lions got their first downs when they had the ball at the end of the game and just kind of the game just kind of ended. It felt like there was maybe a more of an exclamation point coming um, in the way that that game had sort of built up to that point. But sometimes the game just ends and the, and the team that had the lead the entire game hangs on to the lead, even though they were leaking oil a little bit. But... um after, I mean, after three dismal games, especially for a Vikings fan, to start the to start the wild card weekend off, um, I guess if you're a diehard Vikings, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like if you hate the Lions as a Vikings fan, like, I get it. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but also, like, you're, I feel like it's kind of weird. Because, like, how many times have we actually dueled with, dueled with them in the past? I guess we hate Kirby Joseph for getting Hawk injured. Maybe I'm a casual for not hating them, but, like, I was 100% cheering for the Lions in this game. So, I don't know. Like, I'm sure Loon Schmidt wasn't because he has some, like, anger against the Lions for some reason. Like, I'm sure he does. But, like, I don't know. Loon Schmidt, don't, don't get mad at me. I'm just, I just, that feels like a you thing. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. So maybe maybe you watch these four games and you're like, this sucks because the Lions are, you know, moving on. But I watched the first three games. They all sucked, especially the Packers winning. And then the Lions, this game was a good game. I liked who won, and it was, it was, a, it was a little palate cleanser. I enjoyed it. Um, should mention uh, Puka Nuku again just because he was very, like, incredibly good. I think he had, I'll look right now, but something like 190s in terms of yards. Um, just, and like really good after the catch. No, nine for 181 and a touchdown. Ten targets. I mean, that's just crazy. 
10 targets for 181 yards. You like that? That's efficiency. Um, like, really good after the catch. Really good with contested catches in a way that, like, I don't think... I don't know. Like, I, I didn't know much about Puka Nakua coming out of the draft. Nobody did. But I don't know if any of that was part of his, like, his prospect profile is to, like, be Larry Fitzgerald. Like, I, I don't know. But, um... So I'm just, I just needed to mention him one more time because he was incredible. Um, Matthew Stafford was good too, as he's been all year, but not good enough. Steelers Bills, the last two games are not that good either. Um, really, one good game all weekend. It's kind of, eh. But um, the Bills were who they could be and who we know they can be and who sort of they should be. Um, they won 31 to 17. Kind of knew that the Pittsburgh Steelers were one of the worst teams in the playoffs, as fun as that might have been. Um, just kind of dominated from the beginning. Went out to a 21 rip lead. It never really was in doubt. I think maybe at 17 to 24 in the fourth quarter, you be like, "Oh, the Steelers maybe," but like percentage chance of winning that game, I doubt was very high ever for them. Um, by the way, that Khalil, Sh- Khalil Shakir touchdown that ended up sort of icing the game. It was the last score to make it uh, 13 to 17, or 31 to 17, sorry. It, just a great, great run after the catch from him. Don't know how he stayed up. I mean, it seemed like he got his body bent in half and was like completely tackled, and then all of a sudden he's scampering into the end zone. So that was, you know, impressive. Um, Josh Allen was good, efficient, not that many yards. Um, but just, they were really good sort of converting um, long drives into touchdowns, and, and they didn't necessarily need to blow up the game in terms of, like, a million yards. Um, the two turnovers from Pittsburgh obviously hurt them, giving them short fields, and, you know, I don't like that. Like, we knew Buffalo was going to win this game unless they completely... Um, unless they completely sort of fell apart the way that they have this year. So I guess I feel like if you watch the first quarter of this game, you're like, all right, I know exactly what's going to happen the rest of the way they're going to dominate. Because once you realize that Buffalo for that game has shown up the way they're supposed to, um, then it's like, okay, all right, they're going to dominate. And the Steelers are a much worse team. And it just is what it is. Um, the Mason Rudolph experience was fine, I guess. He was okay in this game, but, like, not great. Um, Pickens was mostly bottled up, which I think hurts them a lot, because they really relied on the big play a lot um, with him throughout the end of the year to, like, provide a lot of offense, but um, didn't happen. The Bills are one of the six out of the last six um, to finish the regular season, <laughs> go on a tear and end up winning the division and then win a first-round home playoff game. Um, by the way, this game was also cold and snowy. I don't feel like it had a huge impact on the game itself. I think it was just a lot of snow that was the reason the game got moved. Um, but I think maybe they've put together enough credible wins that, like, we can reliably believe them them to be who they are and to be kind of back in some ways. Um, I certainly don't mind them beating the Chiefs. I think that's certainly something that can happen. Um, 
And by don't mind them, I mean don't mind, like, picking them to beat the Chiefs. Um, I think they're a better team at this point if they play who they are, and I think that there's a couple weeks in a row now where we can believe in them that they will show up and be who they are. Um, last game, Eagles and Bucks. 32 points for the Buccaneers, 9 points for the Eagles. That's crazy. Um, as bad as the Eagles have looked for most of the second half of the season, I didn't know that this was possible. The tackling, and I've, everybody's said it, like, so I'm not, like, coming up with any kind of new thing, but that's just how bad it is. Like, the tackling was so bad in this game. I mean, this throw to Chris Godwin, he's bottled up. All right, never mind, it's a touchdown. Like, shit, like, 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 it was, like, I've seen high schoolers tackle better. And honestly, like, if you were to... Like, show a seven-year-old that's never watched football before. Maybe, like, tell them the rules for, like, five seconds. And then be like, watch this. They'd be like, why can't they tackle? Like, it's, it was that, obviously, like, horrible tackling by the Eagles. Um, and, like, the offense looked horrible, too. Like, I don't, like, what even happened? I mean, I know it happened. They got old, but, like, and the coaching got predictable. Offensive plays got very predictable but like it shouldn't have ever been this bad like this is a team of like some of these dudes won a super bowl five years ago however many years it was seven i don't know how many years but like some of those guys they were in a super bowl last year these are like this is a high level organization a lot of high level players that just completely embarrassed themselves and and like it it's one thing if you get old and and you know you're both of your coordinators leave and you kind of run out of gas it's one thing they, they look like they completely quit they look like they didn't want to play football anymore we're looking forward to cancun it looked it felt and by the way i talked about last week about how's the kelsey podcast doing um jason kelsey like left the podcast crying before this game and i get that he's retiring all this other stuff but you don't start crying and all this other stuff when you feel like you're going to win when you go as the defending Super Bowl champions, you go to Tampa Bay, who is not a good team. I mean, they're good. They're good. I have to say they're good because they they're in the divisional round. But they're not the quality of playoff team that most of the other teams are having to face this week. You don't go into that place expecting to lose when you're the Super Bowl, like defending Super Bowl runner-ups. Like, you don't do that. And it seemed, it felt like they wanted to lose or like they expected to lose. And I don't know. It's crazy. So, you know, Jason Kelsey is retired now, which, I mean, I love that dude. He's cool. Never met him, obviously. But, like, everything I've seen of him is just, like, that's exactly the guy that you want in your franchise for 15-plus years. And that's what the Eagles had. And won a Super Bowl, went to another one. Um, obviously, the podcast, the whole thing. But I think that's sort of on the side of, like, who he was as a player. But, um, yeah. I think you have to fire Sirianni. I, I think you look at Sirianni, you're like, all right, playoffs three years in a row, went to a Super Bowl, all that looks good. But you you have to you have to remember the last six weeks of this season. And and this team looked worse than Arizona. This team looked worse than the Panthers at some points um, in these last six weeks. And just to embarrass yourself in the playoffs the way they did, I think it's everybody's got to move on. I think Kelsey's leaving. Brandon Graham should maybe leave too. Like some of these old guys, just kind of get him out. As good as Kelsey was, I'm so like I'm not talking about him, but like 
need to sort of re-energize the team from like a talent standpoint, a youth standpoint, and definitely in the coaching standpoint, I think that needs to happen. Um, the Bucks play the Lions next week, which means either the Bucks or the Lions is gonna, are going to be in an NFC Championship game to play for the Super Bowl. I think it will be the Lions, which will be genuinely very exciting. Again, if you're a Lions hater for some reason, like I get it, whatever, I'm not going to be mad at you, but I think they're fun. To think that the Lions, and also I have family from Michigan, I know people from Michigan, to think of the Lions as like playing for a Super Bowl is crazy. It's crazy. Um, and to think of Baker Mayfield, not not that the Bucks themselves are that surprising because they won a Super Bowl two years ago, whatever, but to think of Baker Mayfield potentially being in an NFC Championship game if he wins next week is, is equally crazy. Um, both of them are probably going to get killed by the Niners who are probably hopefully going to kill the Packers, but... You know, I digress. Um, I think that's it for the NFL games. Talk about coaching for a bit. Um, this is, I don't want to, I don't, you know, not going to get into the details of like which job is going to be who because we don't have the time. But this is the biggest coaching carousel cycle of my, probably my entire life. Maybe there was some times before I was born that I didn't, that I don't remember. Or before I, sorry, not before I was born. That would be not part of my life. But um, before I was super paying attention to football that I don't remember. But like Bill Belichick's available. Jim Harbaugh's available. Pete Carroll's available. Um, Mike Tomlin might be available. Like we don't know if he's going to be in Pittsburgh next year. And, and, and also then the franchises that are hiring coaches or New England, we've never seen them hire a coach in my entire life. I mean, maybe when I was three or something like that is, I think, when they hired Bill Belichick. But Seattle hasn't had to hire a coach in forever. If, if Mike Tomlin leaves in Pittsburgh, hiring a coach for the first time or forever. Um, Chargers have a really good quarterback, a really good sort of offense in place. Hopefully, they're looking to find a quarterback or looking to find a coach that can hop into a great situation right away. Era Atlanta has first round options all over the all over the place on offense. If they can get a quarterback and get a guy like Bill Belichick, then are they immediately a Super Bowl contender? Like maybe they might be. Um The Eagles might be looking for a head coach and they were just in the Super Bowl not a year a year ago. Um It is like there was like one summer where like and I think it was the summer when KD went to the Warriors where like Immediately, everything changed in, in the NBA, where now it was like, for every summer for the rest of the NBA's existence, like, every player is going to change teams all the time, and it hasn't quite been like that. Um, and I guess, like, the decision year was maybe a precursor to that, um, where it's just like, this one summer, every, the NBA is going to look completely different after that. That kind of thing is happening in the NFL right now with, like, coaches. Because, like, Bill Belichick wearing a an Atlanta Falcons hoodie potentially next year. Like that is unconscionable two, three years ago. And I'm not saying that like, it's going to start a whole cycle like the way it did for the NBA where all of a sudden people leave all the time. I'm not, and I don't think that's going to happen because coaching is obviously very different, but it's like that level of magnitude of like how much change is going to be happening this, this off season for the NFL sort of head coaching vacancies. Meanwhile, we don't know what's even happening in Oakland yet. We don't, or not Oakland, in Las Vegas yet. Like, is Antonio Pierce coming back or not? I feel like we've been 
wondering this for a month plus now, and certainly the last two weeks when they've been officially out. Um, and I don't think there's any news there. So, like, who's going to be the coach of Michigan? And after all this, like, Nick Saban's retired. Like, and that's obviously not NFL, but, like, Nick Saban's retired and Kalen DeBoer, who was just in the in the CFP final, is now in Alabama. Went from Washington to Alabama. That's quite a plane flight. But, like, obviously that's college. It's different. But, like, the whole coaching landscape looks completely different. Um, anyway. A lot of shoes to kind of drop there. I think Bill Belichick's probably the first one where once he's off the marker, we're going to start hiring the second guys. Maybe Jim Harbaugh has a similar effect. But, um, because I can't imagine if you're like, you know, and maybe, <clears throat> maybe a place like, um, who am I thinking of? Carolina. Maybe a place like Carolina, like, you're not really, you don't really have a prayer for Bill Belichick, but I can't imagine you hiring somebody else before he's off the market. I can imagine Carolina goes in and hires, I don't know, Dan Quinn or something like that. I can't imagine that happens when Bill Belichick's available. Also, like, Ben Johnson, Bobby Sloak, these are, like, the new hip offensive minds that are, like, seem to happen every year. Eric Bieniemy might be available for a job. He might get the job in Washington. He might. He's been available for a job seemingly for a decade now. Like we don't really know what's going to happen. Every coach, it seems, is going to be different next year. Anyway, I've blown my load about coaching for enough. Um, let me see if there's anything else I need to talk about. Nothing happening for the Twins. Still, literally, still have not done anything. Um, Joe Maurer still maybe going to make the Hall of Fame. Um, but I saw a thing online, an article that rated the Twins offseason so far at a D minus. So that's really good. Um, and that was even from like five days ago. So it could have been, it could be like an F now because they still haven't done anything. Um, post game, a little bit of a different post game this week. I'm not expecting a lot of people to agree with me on this. It's, it's a rant, a kind of a rant. Um, it's like a clap classic, um, internal and take that I've had before, but I've never said it to this pod. Um, yeah, I was inspired by um, some of the games this week that were in very cold situations, specifically the um, the Chiefs-Dolphins uh, game. That was a negative 7 degrees. There was a lot of people throwing out the wind chill, and it was a negative 30 wind chill, whatever. I don't believe in the wind chill. I think the wind chill is kind of fake um, because, all right, so let me let me get one thing straight. I believe that the wind makes it feel colder. I'm not going to sit here and say that it doesn't. I grew up in North Dakota. I lived in Minnesota for college. I spent 23 of my years in intensely cold Midwest where it is also very windy. So I get that it being cold and it being windy are different and that being windy makes it worse. So I get that. You just can't say when it's negative seven degrees outside 
that it's negative 30. You just can't say that. It's not true. And so that happens all the time when it's like, oh, it feels like negative 30. It doesn't feel like negative 30. I get that on the weather.com app or whatever the fuck. The feels like temperature says negative 30. It doesn't feel like negative 30. Because if you've actually felt negative 30, and again, this is annoying because I actually have felt negative 30. So I'm like, oh, I've been from bad weather. You haven't, but most people that listen to this have actually felt negative 30 before. It feels completely different than negative seven with a bit of wind. It feels completely different. Because negative 30, then the wind is also making that worse. So you don't actually like, everybody's like reference for what negative 30 feels like is not at all what negative seven feels like. Negative seven with wind feels completely different than negative 30 with no wind. So you can't just like sit here and say that because it's negative seven and it's a little windy that it feels like negative 30 because it just doesn't, that does not how, it's not how it feels. It's a completely different sensation from like intense cold with no wind to cold with wind. Completely different feeling. The wind chill is not real. I'm not saying that you can't be like, it's negative seven with 20 degrees wind out of the Northwest. Like, obviously that's a little bit, you know, not as smooth off the tongue as saying it feels like negative 30, but it do, it just does not feel like negative 30. Like most of the loons listening, many loon fans have felt negative 30, or at least negative 20 or something. And it feels completely different than negative seven with uh, with wind. And um, this has not been a popular take that I've had in my life, but I will die believing this. Um, wind emoji. I think there's one where like it's like swirling. That one. Bye.